And welcome to another Rugby Bits and Pieces podcast. And today we're going to be looking at the South African side um, for, well, the South South African equation for for the World Cup quarterfinal coming up on Sunday. And today we are joined by a rugby Twitter legend, a legend of the cold baths as well, um, Mr. Harry Jones of the Raw Rugby podcast. Harry, we've, yeah, we've definitely landed a big fish here in getting you to this pod. How's it, guys? No, no, I'm the one that's honored. Uh, you know, I've been kidnapped by pirates, as you know, a long time ago in the middle of a Cape to Rio old yacht race. And then I just found myself here in Texas. So um, on the way to Paris tonight, very excited to be selecting the Springbok team with you guys. <laughs> yeah, and Sean, we we joined by you as well. Sean, um, yeah, I think the first question to throw out is, I mean, Rassi Rasmus ready putting out cryptic tweets about the bench composition at the moment. <laughs> I, 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 I do miss the man or the Tuesday squad announcements now. Yeah. Jeez. That's, that's, that's crazy. Eh? Hi everyone. Harry. Hi, my man. Yes. Yeah. I, I missed the last one. I was a bit bummed, but I'm glad that I'm finally uh, on air with you. Um, welcome. Yeah. Cooks. Johnny, yeah. Cooks. Sorry. Tala. the, this is so weird. What, what is it like five years? that we've been getting a, a, a Springbok squad at, on, on a Tuesday. Um, we, you know, they, they dropped that on us. They, we got used to it. It was great. It made for, it made everything. It made the whole week beautiful. Like we started, you kind of got over it if there were issues and then you kind of started working with it and then come, come kickoff, you know, you were pretty, pretty invested in the squad already because you've gone through all the good and the bad and you've, as all Springbok fans, we kind of like, you know, you, you convince yourself that it's the right choice. Then we've got proven wrong over and over by the coaches that they do really know what they're talking about. Then they got us used to a 6-2 bench and that became the norm. Then they blasted a 7-1 and then went back to a 5-3. So the Rugby World Cup 2023 has been chaos for Springbok supporters. Yeah, I think it's the long setup, guys. You know, um, it's a long conspiracy. It uh, was set up by, we're going to do this so early, prematurely, almost almost uh insanely early every single week forever and ever and rossi always knew on this week uh he was gonna do this curveball which makes the french you know now they don't know what to do because everyone banked <laughs> on that and we get to counter the six two seven one eight oh five three but actually another guy told me this um his name is pork chops so i don't know if he's reliable but he told me the selection process for the spring box is actually very complicated all the time because you got Jacques has two votes, you have Rassi who has three votes, uh, then you have Jacques who has one veto, and then you have Rassi who has two vetoes, and then Victor Vito has one veto as well. And then uh, and then this week they pulled in Dwayne. Dwayne, you know, is in the coach's box now. He has half a vote. And Billy, Billy's got to be in the coaching box with a half a vote too. Yeah, I know. He's the one actually probably uh, feeding Jacques what to do. So... Uh, or telling Jacques what to do. So then you have Pork Jock, my guy. He's a guy. He lives outside East London. Actually, he's actually in West London, and um, and he's the guy apparently that makes the he he talks to Rossi. He's the Rossi whisperer, and then he just breaks the tie. But no, to be serious, I think the thing is Rossi is like a spiritual selector, and Jacques is a numbers selector. And I think this week they really do have maybe a little bit of a difference. Um, you know, following the numbers versus just that feel that Rossi gets sometimes. That's yeah, yeah. that's I a great that's, point because like 
Go on, Sean. The thing is, is they dovetail, they dovetail each other. At least it's not like if you'd said that to me, and this was the first time that Jacques Ninaba had been coaching or had been involved with Rossi, then I'd be worried because you make a valid point. But the fact that they've been together for so long, like you do expect them to dovetail, but you know, who's who's got the final say? I think we all know that. Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> Yeah, I think let's start talking through some of these um, selection dilemmas that maybe um, Ninab and Rassi are busy as we speak, tossing and turning over. So I think the first one's obviously the number 10 debate. And, you know, we've had Mani Lebok basically be the, the starting fly half or the spring box for most of this year. Um, and we are well aware of the strengths and the and the weaknesses that his game has. And then Andre Pollard comes into the team after an injury to Malcolm Marks. And it complicates things, of course, because Pollard is very good in some of the things that maybe Lebok isn't as good, especially goal kicking. Whereas Mani has been able to get the Springbok backline attack going in the last few weeks. And Harry, I don't know how you think or how you would and then how you think the coaching staff will try to thread this needle. Yeah, on, on every other selection dilemma, it's, you know, two guys that are pretty similar and you're trying to figure out who's the best for the moment, who's in form. This is one where it's philosophically different. Like your choice on Andre or Mani makes other things ripple out. It's a little bit like England has to do with their tens. Um, this is what I probably, this is what I think they're thinking. And I may be wrong, but I think they think, it's like, do we think more of the negative? Like how do we negate the French, how do we make their milli pop more pop? Uh, how can we bring them down? You know, like Wales, the, the Warren Gatlin, like how do we make our opponent play worse? And if that's the case, I go with Pollard because as John Smith pointed out, there's one thing to think you know what a World Cup knockout pressure is like, another thing to actually have done it. And the and the box, you know, aggregate have won more knockout matches than any other team alive in this tournament. So then you bring Pollard in, he just knows how tiny little moments matter he won't give it away in the beginning you start him and then you bring money off the bench because he's more versatile but you don't let the french off the hook you know it's like we know we always win the second off so can we win the first off please just once um there's please. that yeah then the second theory is no 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 it's more about being more excellent on our stuff like we're gonna play like brilliant uh, supermodels and and we're gonna just have a railroad we're gonna do what we want maniacal chase and tackle and swing and rush and you know on that theory you say have the hot hand money doesn't matter about the kicks we'll score in fives instead of threes and that's expansive you know oceans 10 hoist a spinnaker put everything all the sails up and just go uh and then pollard comes in for for the 79th minute you know quarter quarterfinal knockout moment I'm going to tell you this. I, I think I know the answer on every other question except this one. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I, I'll tell you what I think I would do is I would bring on Pollard to begin the the match, but have an early hook. Uh, so if it's running away, then you put, bring money on. If you need to chase it, you bring money on. But I don't like the idea of giving Ramos the ability to go three, six, nine, twelve up, and uh, like they did to New Zealand. Yeah, and that's a very good point because I think looking at both or well, at least three of the biggest wins France have had in the last two years um, against New Zealand both times, against South Africa and against Ireland last year, France had like five plus penalties that they kicked over. So they're a team that obviously can 
put teams under pressure, make them concede penalties. And they have between with Ramos and Jamine, probably two of the best goal kickers in the world. So they'll they they will do their part in accumulating points. So then the Springboks question is obviously what are they going to do to accumulate points? And as as I think you've talked about, Harry, like you go with Pollard, you can kind of match that pretty much. If you go with Lebok, then hopefully this time you try to use your um your your pack more. You try to use your rolling mall a bit more, and you try to go five ten fifteen instead of three six nine. So oh, yeah, like you said, I think this is the decision that then has all these ripple effects. Sean, yeah, what are what's what's your sense of this on on how the fly of dilemma is going to be solved? Yeah, everyone is torn. Uh, personally, I I feel everyone's torn. I, Everyone can see the value in whomever we start. It's and Harry, you've nailed it. Like there, there are ripples that that move out on your decisions that you make. Um, so you know the dirt trackers are pretty familiar with my position on this. Is that I think Villarreal and I've now come to terms with it. Villarreal plays better when Manny Lebox playing. So do we start Damien Willemse when Andre starts and plays? I personally don't think Willems is playing as well as many make it out to be, but then again, that could just be me. So, but so that's so you're right on that and like what the tens do. But I agree with you; it would make more sense to start Pollard, um, because the truth is, is that whatever Pollard does is you bring Manny on to finish things off. However, if you start Manny and things don't go well, and you bring Pollard on early, then we are chasing the game. And we've got, oh. we're trying to play catch up and we're under pressure. So it could work the other, you know, it could work the the other way. Um, but we're probably more comfortable with having Manny on the field if we're chasing. And we're also more comfortable with having Manny on the field if we, if we want to throttle them and scare the shit out of them and, and run all sorts of everything, you know? So, yeah. The one, one thing I will say is I think only externally are people, stressed about having Pollard and, and Lubbock in the mix. I think internally it's great. And Manny spoke about it and you yeah. saw the way Manny played and kicked when in their first game back together. So I personally think it's a great thing, but the biggest question lies is who do you start with your bench and how does it affect the bench and your other players? Yo, I don't think they're worried or stressed about um, the man-to-man comparison. I actually think you're right. It's all about what happens next, you know, does that make us do five three or, or six two? And also, a bench guy has to be rock solid physically. You can never bring on a guy that's got any question mark. So that also speaks to Andre starting because if he is in any way crocked, uh, then you still have a, a, a backup situation. Um, and if he's mo- if his mo- if his most valuable thing is um, that he won't be run over by a Jonathan Dante, uh, like you know Marnie was, I think by uh, bon- Bondiaki then um you know i think i think that speaks to early days like making sure that no one busts your line in the beginning of the match all these matches have come down to goal line defense you know it's been malls drives try line whether you're speaking of 30 26 and marseille last year or you're thinking of irish uh buck in this tournament or you're thinking of uh wales versus france a year ago it's all come down to the end you know you camped on someone's line so I don't think there's a lot of breaks at the end of the matches. I think that's actually a fallacy. I think in the end, by the end, both teams are usually exhausted and it's uh, it's trench warfare. There's no runaway tries uh, at this level. So yeah, build an innings with uh, with Paula. But who knows? 
Look, guys, I've read Rossi's book and he talks about fruit, how he hates fruit. He says he doesn't want to eat it. He doesn't want to see it. He doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, like, Don't even say banana in front of Rossi Erasmus. There's no debates in front of him about whether tomato or avocado is a fruit. So maybe it just comes down to this. Which player reminds you more of fruit? Um, so, <laughs> so this is why, like, you know, you look at the Bach players and none of them are very fruity. You know, they're all very like meat looking. Uh, like you look at, you know, like even a guy like Spicy Plums, Kitsoff, sure, he's got a plum in his name, but it's not really, he's not very plummy. Um, so Maybe yeah, that I, explains why he's in every single match day 23 when he should <laughs> be resting. Yeah, no, he, he looks like, you know, red meat. And um, and so, you know, I think they're picking people who don't look like uh, uh, plums and, and and apples. So you look at um, Pollard and, and Mani, you know, I don't know. They both they both look like, you know, some biltong, basically. Yeah, well, we'll see what Rassi does with Andre Pollard Granite and Mani Litribok. Okay, uh, that was terrible. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Um, <laughs> good effort, short notice. I, I tried my best. Um, let's move to, or let's discuss um, the newest um, returnee or entrant into the squad, Lukanyo Am. And Harry, what's your sense? And do you think he has any role to play in this game on, on, on Sunday? Or do you think he's probably going to be put in the back burner? I mean... We all we know that most fruit turns to alcohol if you leave it around for a while. So Lacanio Arm has always reminded me of just a really fine brandy, eh? But uh <laughs> to be serious, no, I think I think he's here for the for the the really business end of the tournament if we get there. Um I think Pollard has been brought for this match. I don't know any I cannot understand any reason for Pollard being back here except for quarterfinals. But I think uh Lucanio could come in in a semis, uh if it's you know Fiji or or England. So that that's what I think. I don't think they're going to put someone... I think Jacques is very clear on the number side uh, that you have to have a certain amount of minutes uh, of actual contact rugby at certain levels before you play. And I don't think he's ever deviated from that. And sometimes people have thought it was crazy, but you, you have to bank your numbers. So I don't think that's true. Plus, I mean, I know Jesse Creel is not everyone's favorite, but in this, in this World Cup... Mm. He's been up there. I mean, really, yeah. he's been one of the best. Uh, I picked him for my team of the pools um, and I had to parse between him and Gary Ringrose. And I just thought he actually did better on defense. So, um, yeah, I think you trust Jesse Creel. You also like the idea if 19 out of 23 or 18 out of 23 guys, you know, played in a, a World Cup and another World Cup, you know, you have three cuppers. And Jesse Creel was on the field in 2015 in a semifinal against one of the best teams that ever played rugby. Um, so you trust that kind of instinct. You trust, you know, as John Smith put it, you know, the guy that's been in the dark room and has to get up and, and find the light switch. There's something different about quarterfinals, semifinals in a World Cup that the French may not really realize that there is a difference. You know, the Six Nations, big matches in the Heineken, it's not the same. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of experience that the Springboks are bringing from 2019 and even 2015 for a lot of the key players. Um, Sean, just rounding up on the selection debate, because probably once this pot goes out, <laughs> most of it will be moot. But what other things do you think or, yeah, what what other selection dilemmas do you think um, the, the box are pondering right now? 13... I wouldn't think is a massive 
um, starting problem right now because I, I do honestly feel that that Creel starts. He's put his hand up this whole year. Um, his connection with Damien Delendi is also, it seems, very tight. Um, having said that, he, Damien and, and Lucanio Am are also brilliant. I think it probably hinges on Lucanio Am's form before his injury because it seemed like it was being forced back in um, quick. So, yeah, I think Jesse Creel starts this week. Well, they'll probably reevaluate later. In terms of injury, in terms of other selections, it you know it goes down to who you want on your bench and coming off it. But mm. interestingly enough, is Kubis Reinach was uh, up for media today, um, so he's probably going to get. I don't know. Do you think he starts? Is nine that much up for debate? I think it is. Um, last year, Jaden Hendrickson was was the be all and end all of Springbok rugby in my world. He had to start. He was had the best kicking game. Um, I've gone like I've gone full turn on him where I didn't quite like him and his temperament. Then his kicking game is exceptional, and and then Fuff was a little erratic. Probably one of our best defenders, even though he looks like a absolutely psycho when he's running around. And then Kubis Reinach's come in the mix and really, like, I thought he has played so bloody well when he started. Um, I thought his passing has been excellent. His decision-making has been excellent. And he's really just, like, for lack of a better word, just casually gone through what he needs to do. He's just done his job at nine. And when the opportunity arises, he strikes. And then you've got Grant Williams, who offers that great nine option, but then also offers that wing option. So I think... One of the biggest selection problems is going to be at nine and who benches at nine. Yeah, no, I think everything depends on something else, right? On the nines, mm. that's why four nines is because, um, you know, if you go six two, then your nine has to be able to do more. And I think whether it's Grant or Kubas, they can play wing. Uh, you might fancy a Kubas versus. Um, uh, Antoine Dupont on a one-on-one -on -one in terms of speed and uh and Kubas is very strong too. Um I, I'm with you though. I thought Jaden Hendrickson was one of the best Bach players of 2022. And when you look back, and I think they do, by the way, I think the coaches have circled Marseille 2022 and really studied that match because almost the entire French team that's gonna play this weekend was on the field of Marseille, winning 30-26 against 13 box. Uh, and they 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 understand that game very well. They've ripped it up sideways, upside down. And you look at that match and sort of try to figure out what was on offer. You know, in that match, Willemsa was the starting 10 and Mani came off the bench. Uh, and it came down to one play, which was, you know, uh, controversial. So I think, you know, I think, I think nine, there's options there. I was trying to find, wonder why they were debating this week so much. And I think it is around nine. Uh, the other one, uh, to answer your question, uh, Tala, I think maybe Jasper versus Dwayne and really outside the box here, Kane and Moody coming in in some guys. So those are the only ones I can really think of. I, I think the outside world thinks Damien versus Andre is a debate. It's not. Andre loses the ball more in contact. Damien Dialende has been one of the best players in pressure matches for the box for years now in in 2015 and 2019 um and he just steps up in really pressure games so i don't know why that's even uh on the cards plus i mean andre is much more of a fruit looking guy than damien so <laughs> I'll, I'll rest my case there <laughs> we go back to our fruit theory um 
Harry, actually, just staying on that, you know, what, yeah, what do you think the Springbok team and coaching staff learns from uh, Marseille 2022? I mean, I think if you look at the stats, which I tried to do earlier this week, everything is pretty much even. Like, uh, defenders beaten, Springboks had more meters, they kicked a little bit less than, um, than, than, than the French did. Like, turnovers France had a little bit of an advantage there like but everything else was pretty much dead even and obviously France won a game quite narrowly like what what are what are the learnings there for the box yeah so you got to make a case for your own players and Rossi has always accepted that he has to sit down with his players and explain why we could have won and why we didn't win and why we should have won and why and in 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 some rare cases why they actually they were better than us in this case there's no reason to say they're better than us uh, clearly with uh, a full pack on the field, that game would have been won comfortably. So I think one lesson to take away is no one can be carded. <laughs> uh, and then the French have said, if you touch, you know, even one lock of Antoine Dupont's sainted, sanctified hair, then it's to the bin. So you know that going in that you ca- you've got to keep the pack on the on the field. To that, but but that being said, Anthony Jolanche said. Uh, and I sent it to France Malheur at the time, and I said, look what he said, you know, in French, which was, we have played everyone, and this was the toughest, hardest pack that we've ever faced. And that was against a seven-man pack with Quaja Smith as the eight. Now, think about that. So all you got to do is keep your actual pack on them and have Jasper or, or Dwayne at eight, and you you have a potential to physically dominate the northern bullies. And they're not used to being bullied. And I'm going to go back to one match I was actually at, which was Wales versus France in Cardiff. I think it was 13-9 in the end. Uh, Foxy Davies drops a ball, otherwise Wales wins. That's the kind of match, not a 30-26 match, 13-9 match. That's the kind of match I think they're really going for. And uh, a real smash up, smash mouth, you know. Like Again, I'll go back to my fruit. Fruit's uh, sweet and fleshy with seeds and can be eaten. It's going to have to be just rock hard. No one's eating anything. No, nothing sweet and fleshy. It's going to be grim, miserable, and uh, and on the edge of your seats. Much more like the Ireland box game. That's where I'm seeing. And I think they take away from Marseille is we cannot lose people and we cannot have that much space. We don't want uh, Peno and, uh, and Fiku running around like it's a carnival. The French don't want that. They don't want to be dominated. They don't want to be have you in their face. They 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 want to dictate just like we do. They want to dictate, but they also want to like everyone wants hands on the ball and and they want the ball to go wide. So when you put that pressure on them, I, I think you I think you're onto something. Like they they don't they don't want it, and they were quite prepared to be very very physical and then they lost a couple of key bodies that um are almost all their physicality and they haven't quite got it back yet yeah it might come down to whose Willemsa is better they lost their Willemsa and they need their Willemsa back and <laughs> on our side I would say the long kicking game of the French sort of plays into the hands um in Marseille Willemsa was a 10 and um and then Lebois came in at the end this time around, you're probably looking at one of the form 15s, Willemsa being at the back. Uh, either way, Billy or Willemsa, those long kicks, you have a lot of time to decide which one of the five you counter from. Mm. And you look at Twickenham, uh, you know, ending Eddie's career, 
it was sort of an idea like that, a long kick. And then you you realize I've got the speed, I've got the jump, I've got the feet, I can do it. I think Damien's really, Gaza's really confident right now at taking people one-on-one. And I fancy him on a one-on-one versus um, the French wings in space. Yeah, but I, I forgot about the French, not forgot about, but that French long kicking game. That is definitely going to be the play. And then in which case, 100% behind Willems are starting. In which case, that brings me back to the 10 and that means Andre starts. So we're all we're all on the same page here, I guess. Then, eh? <laughs> Have yes. we figured it out? <laughs> Done. Yeah, it's actually interesting just looking at the stats for like the box and the spring, uh, the spring box and the French um, over the round robin games. So South Africa has kicked the least um, out of all the te- or the eight qualified teams in the quarterfinals. So they've had the least the the less least per- uh, percentage of possession kicked and the second fewest actual kicks, mm. uh, which has meant that they have like really bad territory and then compounded with that with. You know, conceding a lot of turnovers and not the best um, 22 entries um, and efficiency there, it's obviously has stunted the Springbok attack. Whereas France, as we know, as we've just talked about now, they kick pretty much everything. They've kicked the most um, in, in the competition so far of the other quarterfinalists. They've had the lowest possession, um, but they have the most most offloads nonetheless and the second most line breaks and are very efficient in the 22 Harry, how do we, yeah, how do those numbers start to equal out? Do you think, well, maybe there's two questions here. Do the Springboks continue to kick less and to try and run more? Like they basically tried to do in Marseille. I think they tried to uh, run the big French forwards off their feet because France is probably one of the few teams that have, well, like they have a massive pack. And one thing that some teams have tried to do is to try and get Antonio and Bay and those sort of people off their feet as soon as possible. And then, well, what, yeah, how does the, yeah, how does the Springboks fix that whole um, efficiency in the 22 thing? Because I think they've left a lot of points on the field in the, in the group stage matches. And I mean, essentially in most of Jacques Minaba's tenure so far. Yeah, this is, this is actually a really good question. And, um, you know, you ran into me on the streets of Marseille by recognizing my beard after the Scottish game. And, uh, you know, so that's 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 just optical awareness. Right. And the whole crowd just said, hey, there's that beard. And we uh, and we had a nice chat. Um, I think I think the Springboks uh, have more visual acuity. I think um, in a chaotic game, it's one of the few matches we would say, actually, we're OK with some chaos. Um, we have we have more instinctive players. We have. We have guys who can go one on one and and dance around. They've got uh, Peno and Fiku that I think have those type of skill, skills uh, with Intermac out. Um, might so I'm wondering about the shape of the game. I think that's your question. Really, is have the Springboks been actually playing how they're going to play? I don't think mm-hmm. so. They're, they're not running any drives off lineouts. They're not kicking the corner. Went wide, wide against Ireland almost on purpose, and only to get snaffled by you know James Lowe um, and Ringrose types. You know, like it doesn't seem like Springbok rugby to try to get you know Malherba and Etzebeth all the way to the trams to clean a rock. Um, so I think that was a bit of a ruse. Also, I think you know France only really played one match so far in the whole tournament, and it was the very beginning. So I think oh, I thought you some... meant against uh, Uruguay because the New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> there's some shock factor. There's some shock factor there. Okay, how, I would think the the shape is this: How do you steer the box ship right into Antoine Dupont? 
I know it's 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 risky to tackle the 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 mossed man and and he'll be a protected species, but nothing protects you when you're tackling. So if if the hardest part of Ibn Etzebeth is running into the softest part of Antoine Dupont, um, don't come crying to me about this and that. You put him on the field. Maybe you shouldn't have. So I think it's going to be a lot of um, Damien Delende, Etzebeth and visa types running into their nine and um and keeping that you know middle uh, i think that's where they bottle it up I, I don't think they're gonna go wide wide i think there'll be a lot of kicking i think um i think probably it's gonna be kick tennis until we decide when yeah and then yeah well now that we have i think two of the probably the best well three of the best individual counterattackers and Willemsa Colby and Arensa, I think both, it's actually going to be quite interesting. I think both teams wouldn't mind, you know, some open field play. I mean, France, I don't think it's a controversial thing to say that France is probably the best when you kick a ball a bit too far. Dupont finds Ramos, who finds Peno, and then obviously yeah. they cause chaos. But I mean, the Springboks have, have been great in the transition as well in the last few years. And we know how good Colby is individually. We know how, um, can connect um, players together as well. LeBoc can help with that. LaRue, Willems has obviously got his um, dancing feet there as well. So the dig, yeah, I think dictating the game and the 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 pace and where we play in the game, I think that'll be big in trying to decide this uh, this game on Saturday. Um, and I think the 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 one place where the French for me have looked a little bit weaker and maybe somewhere the box can attack is, I mean, their scrum hasn't, especially in the second half, hasn't really held on that much. I mean, there's no. only so much I think you can do to Winnie Antonio. I don't know if maybe one of the other selection dilemmas is the box possibly considering playing Oxenshare and trying to get under that, I don't know what you call Antonio, that submarine, that man mountain and try to just give him some issues like um, Oxted to Tug Furlong. And then the line, the line out's been fine, but in the second half, when the reserve props come on, there is a drop in quality. So I wonder if that's, yeah, part of the tactics is the Springboks are going to try to play as narrow as possible, and it's going to be trench warfare between the two teams. Because France also doesn't really play wide. They do pick up and goes ad nauseum and then and offloads and then try to go wide. So, yeah, I think <laughs> Sunday's game, the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm just feeling pain um, for people. Like, I don't know how <laughs> you felt, Harry, after the Island game. I, I had to go into a bath of deep heat because it just felt so painful. <laughs> I was surrounded by Irish and they were all hugging me, uh, ironically <laughs> and uh, sarcastically. No, but they all said, we'll see you in the final. Uh, you know, Antonio's, I don't know what kind of uh, fruit he would be. Maybe he's a squash, one of those giant squash, you know, you see in American uh, farm festivals where you win the squash or in England, I think as well. <laughs> you know, it's like 800 pounds. Um, I think that's interesting. I think Malharaba really wants, um, I think the Buffalo wants redemption for that, those two penalties against Ireland. I think you have highly motivated veterans who love their coaches in a way that no other no other team possibly excepting Ireland. But I mean, and there's also some blood there that's, you know, I think, you know, Andy and Mike Cat being from other places. I think there's something very close knit uh, and yet loose, you know, at the games, I think you know, saw the same thing, Tyler. They're joking around. They're, they're very loose. I don't think 
I think they're giving their veterans uh, a chance to prove themselves. And I think so in the scrum battles, I think they really want to see uh, Kitsi and, and Malbec on the field at the same time, yeah. just, just turning the screws on the frogs and making them squeal. Um, and I think there's, I think that whole first 20, 20, 30 minutes is going to be uh, the most brutal gladiatorial rugby you've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and the key there is not to get carded. Um, the crowd is ridiculous. It's um, <laughs> I mean, home field is always a thing, but this home uh, advantage is off the charts. It's a big giant rave disco maniac, mindless, stupidest fans I've ever seen in my life. Don't even know what's going on, but they're just, you know, just jumping around. And I call that anthem wankery. We're just going to hear, hear their anthem <laughs> about a thousand times. So, yeah, it's going to be wild. <laughs> Sean, I mean, I think we talked about it even in yesterday's pod about the first 20 minutes being vital. So being a bit realistic, what's the, how's the, what's the most ideal start for the Springboks? Is it an early try, maybe trying to get to 10 points as quick as possible to get the crowd out. Like how, how does the, especially that first 20 minutes, what's the most ideal way that could go? I, I want us to convert when we go into the 22, like mm. at least two out of, out of three times, whether it's three points or five points, I don't mind. I do. I do want to, I want to start that scoreboard pressure. I want to, I want them to know that we mean business and I want them to know that they're in for a test match. Not that they don't. I don't for one second think they don't, but I want them to feel it. Like there's, there's one thing knowing and there's one thing living and I want them to live it and feel it and properly know it. And and that's key. I, I've mentioned it a lot, but we are, I really feel we are one try. We are one try away in the opening 20 minutes from, from the floodgates opening because we've just applied so much pressure. Um, the other thing that I'm interested in is just remember DuPont. So I, I'm going to pretty much take it that DuPont starts, but he's remember he kicks both feet and he's got ridiculous distance. So he's going to be clearing to touch up until halfway. So we'll probably bring our malls back out again, surely then just to try and milk a couple of penalties. Milk, milk sounds bad. Dominate a few penalties. And uh, you know, cause we haven't seen our mall game yet. Um, but yeah, it's gonna gonna be interesting. I I want to see us get points, specifically mm. the first time we we make it into that twenty two. The other option is maybe France come out thumping. Then I want to see that nice eighteen to twenty phase defense. Um, remember like the books, you know we've done it so much, but like the one one time we defended like eighteen twenty phases on halfway, and uh, we won a penalty, and that was half time, and that was. Like we didn't concede points. And that's where I said we won test matches. We win test matches. And that's what I want to do. You want to break their spirits, whether it's defense on it or on attack. You want to make them doubt their game plan, doubt each other, and wonder what the hell they've got themselves into. I mean, fired up. This is getting exciting. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that the passage of play in the final in 2019 in Japan comes to mind. Yeah. Because I think there's a similar setup here where uh, England was the nominal favorites, the bookies' favorites. It wasn't by much, but they were actually the favorites. Um, and and here you would say the French are also just barely the favorites. And the idea of soaking up pressure, uh, you know, two and a half minutes with Maro Atoji getting just tossed aside like wheat in the winter 
and being folded. And, and, and the only one guy, Courtney Law, is having the real chiss, the real spirit to carry and carry and carry. No one else wanted to carry. And I think the French are fragile. That's my theory. Not just, uh, you know, in life, but actually on this rugby pitch. And, I, and I, because they, they're very front runner. And some teams can can dig out from under like Wales or you know just bloody minded teams, but I don't I don't fancy the French doing that. I think they folded to Ireland every time Ireland got on top of them. So I'm with you on that. Also, like just don't give them opportunity to sing. You know, like the Irish have fields <laughs> of Athenry, the Welsh have got bread of heaven, the English are swinging low with their chariot. Italy is singing uh, "Don't a kick a ball ever," uh, whatever they sing. Um, <laughs> South Africans don't have a song to sing, right? It's 11 languages and 43 dialects. And then there's like the Durban Bluff Banana Brogue. So who knows what they're singing? But I mean, if you, you say sing something, you know, what are we singing? Manikis Rue, Flo Jones, Ninja Jones. What are we singing? What kind of Jones? So I don't think that there's a possibility of a song contest here. I think you want to make them nervous. I think you want to have an unhappy match. I think the first half needs to be um, where French spirits are low because there's no one turns on their team as badly as the French. Have you seen them? Boot yeah. So I think you do something where they're miserable. And, and I just, you just turn their guys into tacklers. Like I have never really seen this proposition tested about Dupont being Superman. I want to see that. I mean, now he's got a super mask and he's got all that, but I want to see someone running right down his gut. I want his, I want his whole body involved in a tackle against Jasper if he's the man. Because, you know, as you saw in the premiership, no one tackles Jasper the first time. So let's see what it looks like. Yeah, I think it'll be... Oh, I think we're getting... I think we're, I'm also getting very excited now for Sunday. And it's I've been still nervous since Sunday. Left. Butterflies for days. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, talking about, like, putting the French into a... Uh, a, a hard position like I, I'll give the French credit in that um, New Zealand opening game New Zealand obviously scored first and they were out ahead and it looked like actually New Zealand could maybe get another the second try and get like a 10 plus point gap and France came back really well from that in the second half um, because it was clear that they were nervous and I mean they have shown the nerves here and there like um, in the Grand Slam game against England a year ago they started off quite nervously and then pulled themselves towards themselves in the second half. So I think, I mean, it'll be a bit anti-Springbok in the last few years, but the Springboks just have to start well. I think it has to be, like Sean said, trying to get onto the scoreboard as early as possible and not just, you know, put in hits and dominate in that way in the collisions and the score still 3-0 to France or whatever. Like, because we know what France does when they get into your half they get a penalty or if they're in your 22, they get points. So where there's three, five or seven, um, usually but, Thomas Ramos. Yeah, but in the All, in the all Blacks match, uh, Tala, were, the French stayed in with scrum penalties. Um, yeah. When you looked at the halftime score, they were, I think they were leading. Uh, and it seemed against the run of play because New Zealand looked much more dangerous with ball yeah. in hand, winning the game line. But it was just stroking over. Ramos has a beautiful stroke off the tee and never looked like missing. Um because Ethan de Cruyff was, you know, folding and collapsing. So I think the scrum battle set piece, like every kind of knockout match, is going to be crucial there. If we're winning two out of the three penalties at scrum, if 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 line out solid, and the mole harvests a few um, penalties because it hasn't been used, they haven't shown their variations, and you're stroking over 
uh, penalties for the box, you're looking then at the pressure that I think Sean's talking about, where then, like, what is French, what do the French look like when they're under pressure on the scoreboard, when their crowd is restless, when there's not, you know, happy singing, instead it's whistling and booing. What does that look like? You know, you've got to spoil the party. You're coming in, you're saying, I'm spoiling the wedding. You know, I'm crashing the wedding. I'm crashing the, I mean, like, I'm tossing the baby out of the christening. You know, I'm like, this is, we're the bad guys. So I think the, you know, like in every villain story, you've got to be grim and, and, take away the joy uh and the most joyful guy they've got on the team is is uh this this freaking uh damien Pinot. he you could not allow that guy dancing around he's very very dangerous so for me i assign a guy and maybe it's jesse krill and just say meet man and ball as many times as possible i mean rattle his cage mm. uh i haven't seen anyone really smash Pinot. i want to see that happen too Yes, bloody mindedness here from Harry Jones. <laughs> I think the, the team talk would be very clear from Harry if he was the coach on Saturday. Um, yeah, just get in there and, and and really just put yourselves out there physically. Guys, let's get into some final thoughts. Um, Sean, I'll start with you. Not necessarily predictions and, and all that sort of stuff, but I mean, obviously, this is almost a game that this whole four-year, or at least post the Lions series, that we've led into like there's been some mixing and matching with squads and tactics and getting depth and all that sort of stuff that obviously we had the box had to do in record time because of the last year with COVID. So yeah, this is obviously a big opportunity. I think for a lot of players that are pretty much in their prime to put in a big performance because yeah, I, I, I however the box win, I think the margin for error is very little. Like they have to put in pretty much close to their best performance to win on Sunday. Yeah. It all comes down to this. Everything that we've been waiting for, everything we want to see and all the plans come now. But I, I said this, I thought this was coming against Ireland. Uh, I also thought it was coming a little bit last year. Um, one thing though, we've changed our style of play. Like the fans that were bitching and moaning about like us kicking the ball, even though we were winning, which was quite strange. Like that whole thing has changed. And we, we have like, there's been a conscious change. Like it's not even subtle. The conscious change to change a lot of our game. So the foundation is there, but now like those questions around, like why did Damien not carry more against Ireland when he was cooking? Why didn't we maul as much? Um, as Harry mentioned earlier, we go wide, wide. Like, what is everything going down to this? Like, it's quite risky. Like, I get nervous thinking about it, but we've got to, like, <laughs> this is it. Like, this is the time to deliver. So everything's got to come together now. And, uh, yeah, oh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Sheesh. <laughs> Good times. I, I think Rossi and Jacques wanted to be able to win two ways, and they knew how to win the one way. And so I think, you know, like you're saying, it's been about could you win a 32 to 30 match in a you know, one that mattered. And um, and so then the question becomes, are we still more likely to win a 12-10 versus a 32-30? Or can we win either way? I don't know. I guess this is, <laughs> this is what we find out. I don't know if the French can impose their game plan on South Africa. I'm not sure that the box can impose something on the French. So you have a classic situation where you have two teams that actually play similarly trust themselves without the ball 
Like you have it. No, you have it. No, you have it. No, after you, after you. So I don't know, you know, who breaks that open and who stuffs it up. Um, you know, lost ball, spilled ball is still the best uh, attack uh, weapon. So you would think you want to see some up and unders and that might pe make people in South Africa say, no, we're going back to this. But, you know, a fractured line off of a Pinot spill is still the best thing because then you have Colby or Aronson just, you know, skittering over and skipping. Um, so I, I don't know. Look, look, I think, you know, right now I would still say the box can um, play better, longer, quicker, and I think they're fitter. I think that actually there's a fitness edge here uh, for Eddie. Yeah, and Harry, I think my final question to you is, I mean, the Springboks haven't really done things the typical way a World Cup winning team goes about things, especially <laughs> in the tournament. Like there's at least what four or five um question marks we've had about the team and who's starting and who's coming off the bench. There's, you know, this variation of game plan. It's not like the Springbok World Cup winning teams of old, where we pretty much knew who the 23 were. And bar maybe a few surprise moves here and there, we knew how they would play. And it was quite obviously the classic Springbok mold. This one is almost jumping into a new age, um, making uncertainty, yeah, sort of being comfortable in its uncomfortability and in trying to throw things up. And yeah, obviously it can go really good or it can go, it can sort of blow up in your face. So yeah, what's the, and I know you're very much an optimist and obviously you've, you, you've studied a lot of your raciology and his love for fruit. So what is the optimist way? Is there any uh, wisdom from that Rassi autobiography that you take that comforts you that says, okay, even though the box is trying to do things a different way from what most other World Cup winning teams do it, they, they still are in control of their own destiny. Yeah, guys, actually I feel pretty comfortable uh, I, I feel great peace in my mind. There'll be no pineapple on the pizza. It's gonna be um <laughs> stuff up the gut. There's gonna be there's gonna be intestines showing on the ground and it's gonna be a return. Now I do think in semis it could be different. And I could even think that if it's all blacks or Ireland in the finals, that could be more razzle dazzle. But this particular match plays right into our hands. It's the worst possible matchup for the French. It's actually a nightmare for the French. And you always got to think about your enemy and how they think. I have empathy for them. And I realize when I think about what they feel like right now, I put myself in, in the French clogs and I'm sitting there in, in my toilet in the French um, uh, capital. I'm shitting myself because I think whatever I am, the box are just a little bit better. Like I've said, the French are the French are aroused, but are they hard enough? Uh, and the answer is, nah, not even close. <laughs> Oh, that's sensational. <laughs> yeah, we'll I think let's leave it there and just leave the tip of that conversation. Um, <laughs> I'm so disappointed in myself. Well played, well played, Tom. Oh, I am you. so disappointed at myself. Uh, I'm so oh. sorry, Mom, if you're listening. Thank you so much oh. again, <laughs> for, for listening to this Rugby Bits podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Harry, and thanks for um, the expertise, the deep dives, the plunging into cold baths. The, yeah, all that rugby knowledge has come to the fore here. And yeah, we will have at least one more podcast before everything um, comes on on Saturday. One more that previews all the other games. And then, yeah, we are into pretty much the biggest weekend of rugby this year. So thank you, everyone. Have a good one. Bye. Yes.